Climate affects everybody on this planet. But the important thing is to know as an individual, you have a part to play in this as well to mitigate those negative impacts of climate change. Are you ready to reinvent your organization and create a workplace of the future? Welcome to the Optimized Workplace. My name is Fran Dean Bishop, and I'm the founder and CEO of Aerobody. Join me each week as I welcome innovators, A-listers, and trailblazers who will share their individual experiences with creating an optimized workplace. This podcast will inspire you to find new and unique ways of helping your organization thrive while providing an exceptional experience for your employees and nourishing their well-being. Ready to get started? Learn more at theoptimizedworkplace.co. Welcome to the Optimized Workplace. I'm your host, Fran Dean Bishop, where our discussions with influencers, experts, and innovators are helping transform the well-being and sustainability of today's workplaces and spaces. Today's episode is focused on the built environment and the importance of best practices in green buildings that maximize operational efficiency, clean energy, and energy equity for all. And I'm super excited about all three of those areas because it's really showing an interesting inflection point of not just impacting the workforce, but also being helping the workforce be a part of the conversation and how those areas are being measured most effectively to maximize impact. We'll also talk about how today's workforce is being reshaped to accelerate these measures. So with that, I'm so delighted and excited to Welcome someone here from my own hometown, the District of Columbia, Crystal McDonald, to this episode of the Optimized Workplace. Crystal is the Director of Account Management and Workforce Development here at the DC Sustainable Energy Utility. Woo, that's a mouthful. We know it as DCSEU, so it makes it easy with the acronym. Crystal has over 20 years of experience in the energy and utility sector, where she supports strategies and programs that develop sustainable communities, install clean energy technologies, and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Crystal has quite a portfolio and background, and I'm so excited to have her, uh, to welcome her and to allow her to share a little bit more about her background. She's been serving previously at the U.S. Department of Energy and the Office of Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy. But not just that, she's also, not along with her accolades in um, education, she also completed the Partnership for Public Service Excellence in the Government Fellows Program. So that's quite a mouthful. I'm going to stop and I'm going to welcome Crystal to the show. So Crystal, welcome. Thank you, Fran. Uh, Thank you for having me. Absolutely. As you can tell, I've been excited to welcome you because I think we have so much to talk about. So tell our audience, please, a little bit more about your work at DCSEU and what you're most excited about. Sure. Um, I think the best place to start is just um, to introduce the DC Sustainable Energy Utility, also known as the DCSEU. Uh, We were created by Council Member Mary Che in 2008 and began working in the district around 2011. And our mission is to fulfill DC's clean energy and climate goals through community-centered initiatives that foster equity and deliver lasting value to the people and businesses of the district. And we want to make clean energy and its benefits more affordable, more accessible, and more equitable. And that means ensuring district businesses, especially um, our certified business enterprises and our commercial uh, buildings and our residents 
have opportunity to, to do that. Um, and so we deploy um, incentives for uh, the installation of high performing equipment. We also deliver best practices and we foster peer exchange and a host of other programs that we execute on behalf of the District Office of uh, Energy and Environment. And so since 2011, we've achieved a lot in terms of utility cost savings, energy cost savings, greenhouse gas emissions uh, reductions. Uh, but one of our other goals is to de uh, develop more green jobs, which leads us to um, the workforce development um, conversation that you mentioned. Fantastic. You know, on our, our uh, audience, we have kind of a, a, a wide array of listeners, right? So Aerobody's work traditionally has been uh, in the well-being and health space. So we, you know, welcome our HR managers and leaders, but we also welcome those who are responsible for budgets, whether they're directors of finance or COOs. But in addition to that, I think our, our audience has widened and now we're also welcoming decision makers who are actually business leaders and running their own businesses. So with that, what would you say if you're an individual sitting in your organization and you do have um, some measure of, of, of decision-making power when it comes to uh, not only budget, but also workforce and employees, what would you say is the biggest opportunity that those leaders have within an organization when it comes to clean energy? So when it comes to clean energy, we all sit in what we call the built environment. We're all in a building. And so the district has very uh, aggressive, progressive, just uh, we're leading, we're a leader in the country in the green building space with the policies and action items they've put forward in the uh, climate action plan. And so we're right in the, the middle of this uh, execution of the district's climate action plan. And so there are opportunities, enabling opportunities uh, based on these policies. Um, there's a ton of work that needs to be done. For example, we're right at the beginning of um, the building energy performance standards. All of our buildings in the district get uh, like an energy score, right? An energy star score. If you are operating below that energy star score, the district has a plan in place to help you come up to the standard or above the standard of where your building should be operating. And all of us who sit and work in a building should be concerned about that because there are certain uh, this criteria and standard that we have to meet. Uh, and so to help our buildings come into compliance, uh, there is the Building Energy Performance Standards, which is a district policy. And right now, we've, uh, we've identified about 900 buildings that must make energy efficiency improvements in the next four years. And that's to bring those buildings into compliance with the standards. And so that's a huge opportunity for the district contractors and uh, residents to get involved in this green economy that's needed to push these policies forward. And so with that said, all of these uh, business opportunities, we have programs that address the individual. We have a workforce um, development externship program, and we refer to it as an externship because we work with individuals who are interested in green careers, or they may be underemployed or unemployed. And so we work with that individual for about five months, and we place them at a full site with um, our business community who are raising their hands and, and willing to mentor these individuals 
introduce them to green careers and willing to uh, host them at their work site. The DCSEU will pay the salary, but we ask the interns to work with them with the intent of hiring at that process to help them build their capacity as well. So it's a win-win for the district, for the employer or mentor, as well as the individual. So that's one program that we uh, we operate. The other program we operate is to build um, contractor capacity. For those HVAC, you know, mechanical uh, and plumbing contractors who may have never had um, a job opportunity in the green space, we offer a training program. It's called the, the uh, Train Green Sustainable Energy Infrastructure and Capacity <laughs> Building Program. So Boy, that's a mouthful. <laughs> it's a mouthful. We have a lot of acronyms, of course, the alphabet soup. But we uh, the, the, the short name for it is Train Green, which is directed mm-hmm. towards our contractors to help them build capacity in this, uh, the green space. And so... We um, we have pathways in energy efficiency, sustainability and health, building operations and maintenance, heating, ventilation and air conditioning, renewables and um, solar as well. So we're talking about healthy buildings as well as efficient buildings. And all of that needs to take place to move these policies forward. That's fantastic. There's a lot to unpack there with what you shared with us. One of the things that really stood out to me with what you just mentioned is that there's pathways, right, to excellence when it comes to health buildings and green buildings. So for those listeners who are looking for a pathway, let's say that everything the District of Columbia has done is really a, to me, it's really a test case and a best practice around what clean cities really should look like and what they should be looking in terms of that footprint and moving it forward. But let's say you're in a place where that's not even, you know, that you have, you're not even on that leadership team. Your city is not doing anything in particular. Let's start from that. I'd say the enterprise level, like the wide ecosystem and narrow narrow it down. If you are an individual that's sitting in um, an ecosystem and you don't necessarily know the avenues or pathways, as you said, to success to a healthier building. You know, what can you do as an individual constituent to try to move that needle forward a little bit in your community? So I understand that not everybody thinks energy efficiency, uh, but a lot of business owners and operators, they they do think bottom line in terms of um, their revenue for their business. And so utility costs or operations and maintenance of the equipment that you're running to uh, condition your building, you have to think about how much that costs, what kind of set-aside do I have for my O&M expenses for the year, and how can I reduce that cost so that I can, you know, um, move those savings to my core business. And so one of the ways you can uh, achieve operations and utility cost savings is by looking at your building equipment. You know, look at your HVAC systems, look at your lighting, and begin to understand how you can achieve cost savings just by an evaluation of your technologies. And there are individuals and organizations like the DCSU who will help you to identify those opportunities where you can achieve cost savings, but still maintain that level of comfort that mm-hmm. you find in your building. So, so that you can focus on your core business. 
And uh, if you need help, we're here to assist. Okay, that's fantastic. So what I'm taking from that is DC as a benchmark. I know the Train Green program exists. I know that there's uh, pathways to get people involved from a, a contractor perspective if you're a contractor that wants to work or you're in one of those trades. But if that's not the case, you can certainly go on the DCSCU website. But in addition to that, if you're in a community that doesn't have any of those, you can start with just what you have in your own built environment. As, it said, as you mentioned, and I love what you're saying, what resonates with me is that, you know, a lot of times when we're called in by a client to take a look at, you know, what can we do to make this a healthier environment, an optimized environment, bring well-being and some, some level of uh, efficacy and efficiency to the environment, we first look at equipment. What are the most expensive assets you own that you could potentially tap into and make a small tweak? That makes a huge change. So we're on the same page with that. I, you know, I, we're not a, in the trades, but we certainly are in the optimizing of workspaces. And you're absolutely right. You know, sometimes these these uh, these buildings and these spaces have millions of dollars of assets. We've worked with GSA for quite a while, and you know, they have millions of dollars of assets um, under under a built environment. So that's where you need to start. That's going to be your biggest bang for the buck. And I also go back to something Martha Stewart always says. She always says that you know, look at the, the lowest hanging fruit. If you want to make a change in, in a in a built environment, always grab a, a can of paint. <laughs> so to your point on sustainability, you can look at clean materials or paint that has, you know, low VO2 emissions, VO2 emissions and things like that. So always okay. look at that low hanging fruit, right? Yes, exactly. But if you yeah. have capital, I highly recommend doing kind of a holistic approach because in the, in the long term, you'll, you'll achieve more savings sooner. Absolutely. So let's switch a little bit and talk about, um, again, bring the ecosystem down to the individual. I love what you guys are doing around the workforce. You know, full disclosure, AeroBodies is a CBE. So we're certified business enterprise here in the District of Columbia as a woman-owned small. So we've been able to take advantage of some of the, the opportunities and look forward to partnering with DCSEU. Crystal, you and I have had, you know, conversations about that, about what we can do in the future, because, you know, as a business owner in the district, I love to see the footprint and the changes um, that your organization is making to make us have a healthier community and by extension of that healthier businesses, which actually spreads out into the community. But I want to shape, I want to talk a little bit about this workforce development piece, because I know that's a that's close and near and dear to your heart. It's close and near and dear to my heart because that's the area that I work in. You know, what do you feel is the biggest, as you mentioned, bank for the buck uh, in terms of um, the workforce development piece? The Workforce Development Program is like a jewel in out of the crown of DCSU. And that program is managed by Mrs. Uh, Glennis Wade Brown. She's been a fabulous program manager for um, quite a number of years. But we have achieved our greatest, I think, with the Workforce um, Development Program in terms of developing the individual. First of all, we have a diverse pool of candidates that we work with. Uh, the only requirement is that you have a GED or high school diploma. So we work with that high school graduate and up to engineering graduates and everybody in between, no matter what your level of formal education is. And then um, we have all types of individuals in terms of, you know, um, ethnic diversity, um, sexual orientation. We also have returning citizens. And some people have just had a hard life. And then we also have college graduates who have no sense of direction on which career path they would like to choose. 
And so we have the good fortune of working with our community-based organizations to source candidates who may be interested in a green career. We also have to source our mentors in um, those kind of hosting opportunities and we pair them. And we do go through a screening process to make sure the mentor gets the candidate that they'd like to work with and suitable for their opportunities. And so, um, again, when we match the, um, the candidate with the mentor, there is like a five month or so, uh, plus or minus a few days or weeks, a five month program where they're placed on site with their mentor and in real jobs. It's like on the job training uh, where the mentor gets to um, not only mentor, but observe the performance of that individual. But we don't leave them hanging. Uh, once a week, we bring that individual into our offices, physically or virtually, and we have personal development training. And we do everything from life skills, financial literacy, not just how to uh, find a job, but how to keep a job. But we also give them access to uh, some exposure to technical training. We have our, our own engineers who may come in and teach them about different um, energy efficient technologies so that they can understand um, the relevance to, you know, just again, sitting in a built environment. And then uh, introduce them to green buildings. If green buildings 101, we let them know why it's important, you know, understand the how and why, and then we interject a little bit of policy in there so they understand that not only, uh, we're not just doing this just for, you know, for fun, we're looking for certain results and to, um, you know, carry the district's vision for our climate action plan forward. So, and we all can participate in that. I'm curious from your perspective, you know, when you look behind the lens of what's happening in the, in the, the green building industry, you know, eco environments, uh, uh, you know, sustainability and all of that, and you look at you know where our workforces are today, right? And you know so much of of, of um, training has been on STEM. From your perspective, and as an industry leader in this industry, why do you feel as if you know we the importance of of training our workforces today to really be have a meaningful part in this industry, particularly those who are in underserved communities or communities that may not have been traditionally involved in green building? Why do you think that's so important right now? I think it's important that everybody knows that they can be a participant in this great economy. Um, yeah. This space is multidisciplinary. Um, again, we may have engineers, project uh, managers, solar installers, and electricians helper. You know, so there, there's a space for everyone. And, and, and um, our candidates, we want them to know that they too have an opportunity there. Incredible opportunity. I mentioned um, a, a, one of the policies, but there are others that are generating uh, and creating a demand for these um, positions. And, you know, yeah. we need to fill them. Otherwise, we'll be importing workers here in the district. And so our workforce development program, it is a high touch program, meaning we are constantly involved with our candidates. But we also think that um, that leads to their success. Uh, we've had graduates who um, have stayed on and been hired by their mentors at some of the largest organizations in the district. 
including um, the model that the uh, Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority, uh, DC Water, um, the district government, the uh, Department of General Services, they hired our graduates. And so for long-term success, we see, we see the high success rate. We call it a placement, and we say that in, in HR terms, but our placement rate is um, 85 to 90%. For years, it was running at 85%, but that has increased to 90% in terms of the successful uh, program completion and then hiring by that particular mentor. We haven't been able to find a program across the country that's exactly like ours and that offers the level of support that um, the DCSU operates. And so, um, but I've asked our partnering staffing organizations to help us find uh, a similar program because we're always looking to scale up, right, and grow and do better. But, but for right now, I think we're we're pretty successful and um, we've been recognized nationally um, for our workforce de development program. But more importantly, we've invested in the individual and our individual participants are experiencing long-term success. Yeah, I think what's really interesting about what you're speaking about is that you know, you're helping people understand the alignment of not just their own personal interest when it comes to 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 green buildings, healthy buildings, the built environment, but also existentially how that can really, uh, you know, uh, filter out into the environment and helping businesses understand those test cases, understanding, com helping communities understand those test cases, and really being a part of that conversation as it moves forward. I was reading a, a really interesting article in Financial Times last night on the metaverse, right? And it was talking about it hasn't really hit um, you know, it, that that part of, of cadence where things really take off and people really start to embrace it. And I remember this industry being the same way in maybe 2010, where people were like, ah, the green thing, you know, that's about tree huggers, right? You know, that's about, you know, um, disposing your trash in the right receptacle. I don't get that. I'm, I'm you know, that, that's a whole nother conversation, right? We don't need to go down that hill because we're not there yet. But, you know, you see you know, small inroads everywhere you go. You see when you're in Whole Foods, there's different receptacles for for whether it's compost or um, um, just regular paper or whatever. So people are little by little beginning to understand those, those pieces. Once you understand those pieces and you start to adopt them in your personal life, then you start to look for opportunities, right? Job opportunities, business opportunities to be involved in that. So I think, you know, the strategy that the district is taking is a very, very powerful one because now you're, now that people have been exposed to all these different things, they recognize there's trades there and that gets you even more involved in the community and the sustainability of this work effort. Because if we're not all involved in it, it's not going to go anywhere. People don't, you know, if they don't embrace it, as you know, if you're not willing to embrace healthy uh, lifestyles and, and healthier buildings and, and cleaner communities, then we're not going to go anywhere. One of the things I really love that, you know, we see around the district now is the additional bike lanes. I'll be honest, as a driver, it's kind of driven me crazy <laughs> to see all these, you know, extra flags. If you ever visit the District of Columbia and you don't live here, um, for those of, the, of our audience that may not, you know, be familiar with the District of Columbia, the mayor has made a special effort 
to have these bike lanes everywhere. And at first, as a resident and as a driver, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, this is such a hassle. Like you can't turn right on red. You got to be careful. You can't, you know, there's not two lanes here. It's slowing down traffic. But what has really helped me appreciate this is like, no, this is part of efficiency. This is cleaner energy because the less cars, you're going to get frustrated. So you're going to look for public transportation, or you can take your bike to work, Fran. It's only two miles down the road. So I I think to your point, Crystal, little by little, as people see different inflection points that impact their own personal lives, then they're going to say, well, hmm, I might want to get involved in that. Just like tech, you know, took off 20 years ago. Do you agree with that? I totally agree with that. It becomes, uh, for those of us who work in this space and understand um, how we need to mitigate the negative impact um, that we're making on climate and understanding the district's climate action plan, there's a space for everybody in the district to participate. You know, buildings is one of our leading energy consumers. Transportation is next. So reducing the use of fossil fuel is very important. And some people walk, you know, there are all kinds of things we've done in the city to help, you know, to make pedestrians safer, and cyclists safer, but it's all a part of our um, climate action plan. And then for those individuals that we work with, I, their exposure through the DCSEU Workforce Development Program, first of all, we are paying a livable wage. And so they're able to um, build like a sustainable careers for themselves and their families. And then they're learning about the green space, the green economy, and they're taking those messages back to their communities, kind of like spreading the word, right? Yeah. Um, and um, so and that brings in more uh, participants into uh, this space. And so it's, it's, it's exciting. I'm excited about it. And it's like once you catch that bug and you begin to notice things, you will walk in a grocery store and start looking at the ceiling to see what kind of lights they have installed. Yep. <laughs> Or you'll look at um, a refrigerated door if we go into a 7-Eleven to see if they have um, controls in the refrigerated doors, you know, to, to maintain those conditions and so on. So you begin um, to become more aware everywhere you go. You go Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I was uh, in a building in New York not too long ago, and it had it was a touchless building. So you didn't have to touch anything to enter the building. You didn't have to touch anything to go from one area to the next. You didn't have to touch anything to go into the bathrooms. And it was like, wow. And I thought to myself, hmm, would I have even have been aware pre-COVID of this and the importance of this? No. But now, as you said, we've gone through this pandemic. Our lives have changed. People are now getting more involved in sustainability. So it makes an impact and you look for it. And it's incredibly, um, I think, powerful. It's very shifting to your own personal consciousness to be able to be to be able to see these things and to be impacted by them. So as we kind of bring our conversation um, up to a close, I'm curious, what has excited you the most in 2022? What's been the highlight of your year? For me, it's just the exposure and the opportunities at DCSU we've had. We've been um, getting back out in the community. Like the mayor said about a a year ago, DC is open. And so we've been able to get back out into the community and connect with our constituents. You know, we're showing up at the events at the DC Public Library, uh, the Public Service Commission held a weatherization event recently. So we've shown up there, you know, uh, we've shown up with 
the Department of DSLBG, uh, uh, the Department of Small and Local Business Development, you know, those events. And we show up at Open Streets where our residents can uh, learn about energy efficiency and, and reap the benefits of efficiency. So we've been able to, able to get back out into our community where we're doing um, more meetings with our commercial customers as well as connecting with our residential customers. And along with that, we're creating more uh, opportunities for access uh, on behalf of our externs as well. Fantastic. Do you have any passion projects that you're looking forward to uh, as a team in 2023 or that you're working on yourself in this area? Well, yeah, um, we're trying to stimulate. uh, Thank you for asking that question. We're trying to stimulate more movement and more awareness with our in our commercial sector so that they um, can comply with the new standards because the compliance and the regulations will hit them first. And then we'll set down the threshold. So just building awareness, creating new products and services that we can to help them along the way. So we're trying to do our best to help every energy consumer here in the district. And we're we're not trying to leave anybody behind. (laughs) I love that. No one left behind. behind. Uh, Any closing words that you'd like to leave with, um, again, we have some district residents on here. We may have local businesses, but we have people from all over the country, even all over the world that listen into the podcast. So anything you want to leave people with when they think about the built environment and clean energy and what they can do to actually lead a healthier life. Because again, remember audience, 90% of our lives is spent in the built environment. I didn't know that until I took the well AP exam. Um, and you know, coming from well-being, fitness and wellness for 20 years, I would have thought, you know, I know pretty much everything soup to nuts. But when I sat for that exam, it really opened my eyes to how much being inside and inside space affects your health. You could be taking all the vitamins you want, right? You could be doing all the exercises you want. You could, you know, drink all the the, the water that you want to, but if the air isn't clean, if you're not getting the proper lighting, if the things you're sitting in and sitting on aren't serving the purpose of your body, you could be doing more harm than good. So that's a big roll up to Crystal. (laughs) You know, anything you want to leave our audience with when they think about being in the the built environment and the impact they can make and, you know, what they want to perhaps keep in mind when it comes to this area. I think all of us as um, individuals taking up space on this planet, we all have a part to play. We all can do something small, make small changes in lifestyle like perhaps maybe uh, recycle or composting instead of driving three or four blocks to get to that store in your neighborhood. Think about walking to reduce um, fossil fuel use, right? Uh, Because we all can make those tweaks to make an impact on our climate. And climate affects everybody on this planet. But the important thing is to know as an individual, you have a part to play in this as well to mitigate those negative impacts of climate change. Drop the mic. Well said. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Crystal McDonald, for being with us from DCSCU, the DC Sustainability Energy Utility. It's been a fantastic conversation. And thank you for all of you who tuned in to the Optimized Workplace today for joining this conversation. Keep in mind, it's micro movements of change. 
Rome wasn't built in a day. Clean energy isn't going to happen overnight. But little by little, if we all, as Crystal said, take small steps to make our environments and our buildings healthier, we can really make a change. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Optimized Workplace. For more insights and resources, visit theoptimizedworkplace.co. If you enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word and share with those who will enjoy it as well. See you soon.